isn't you guys? Hi, are you Elton John? Sir Elton John. I was knighted, you know. We're trying to raise money for our school chef. We have chocolate nuggies and smoke crunchies. I'm sorry, but I'm not a big candy bar fan. What? Could you just buy a couple anyway? Our friend Chef is really... Chef? You mean Chef Chef? Yeah, dude. Well, you remember him? Of course. I haven't seen him in so long. I remember when I first met him. It was about 25 years ago. I was just a struggling musician who couldn't get a break. Oh, oh, you're my cheddar cheese girl. You're soft but firm and you go well with wine. Oh, oh, cheddar cheese girl. Cheddar, cheddar cheese girl. Hey, Elton, don't feel so down, baby. Have some of my Scottish haggis. It'll cheer you up. Thanks, Chef. I just don't understand what my music is missing. Look, Elton, you are a great singer. But a retarded monkey could write better lyrics. I really thought I had it this time with Cheddar Cheese Girl. What you need is a guy to write really good lyrics for you. I know a guy named Bernard Toppin who's working at Moth Burger right now. I'll give him a call. That's a great idea. And Elton, why don't you get yourself some new threads? You know, some slick glasses and shit. And so I got Bernie to write my lyrics. If it wasn't for Chef, I would never have had a career in music. So will you buy some of our candy bars to help him out? Yes, of course. I'll buy three crispy yum-yums. Three crispy yum-yums. Hey, Elton, if I give you these lyrics, will you write a song for my girlfriend, Wendy? Sure, kid, but I would retain exclusive worldwide rights, including but not limited to Asian territories with a 20% commission on all domestic sales and so Hello, welcome to episode six of the, I guess that's why they call it the Elton John podcast podcast. This episode's called Cool as Christmas. It's about the collaborations and connections that Elton's had over the years that, in my opinion at least, have upped his coolness quotient. And yeah, and like I say, this is just my opinion. I'm not trying to offend or upset anyone, although I'm not going to be bland. I've got my own opinions. But what's one man's cool is another man's Larry Adler. Although maybe you're a huge Larry Adler fan. If you are a Larry Adler fan, or if you've got any other complaints, comments, suggestions, light grumbles, compliments... You can email me on eltonpodcast at gmail.com and uh, I'll have a look. I I might read out anything that's uh, useful. Love to have some feedback. So, yeah, this is cool as Christmas. I think it's a bit unfair that Elton's not really given the title as being a cool, a truly cool musician. Yeah, he's an elder statesman of rock, but he's not seen as being particularly vital. He's not an originator. He's not an innovator. He's seen as a magpie. And uh, the fact is, though, that lots of very well-respected musicians and cartoon makers, for that matter, have got involved with him over the years. And so today I'm going to try to gather together the evidence for Elton John being... An artist, in terms of the response of other artists. And so, as such, I'm going to only really pick things that I personally find artistically valid, like I say. So, let me put your mind at rest. There's not going to be any Tupac here. I mean, I think maybe some of Tupac's music is great. I don't know. I honestly have no idea. But... Ghetto Gospel, the song that samples Indian Sunset and mangles it horribly, which has got nearly 100 million views on YouTube. That's not going to feature because it sounds horrible. And 
it's I mean it served its purpose. It's got Elton into a load of bedrooms of people that would never otherwise have heard his wonderful early uh, 1971 vocals but it's it doesn't belong here because it doesn't sound good same goes with elton john doing stan with uh, eminem maybe there's another podcast for utterly soul-destroying collaborations and connections that elton's made over the years but this isn't it on the other side of the career arc Although it sounds like an artistically vital thing, Elton collaborating with Brian Wilson, which he did in 2004, their song, um, I can't remember the name of it, it's not going to feature here, because it doesn't sound great. Uh, same goes with his, I mean, less obviously this one, but his connect, his collaboration with Gary Barlow recently, that's not going to be here. It's just not cool as Christmas. There are some collaborations that are extremely cool that I'm not including because I intend to talk about them later. So Mark Bolan, that's a key one. And yet there are other collaborations that uh, I think will probably get their own episode, which I do touch on here. We came in listening to Elton's guest spot from the second series of South Park back in April of 1998. You may have your own opinions on the quality of South Park, but there's no denying that Elton comes across really well here. He's funny, despite that ridiculous American accent he's throwing at us. And this put him back into millions of living rooms for, you know, kids that otherwise would have no idea who he was. He he was presented as a cool musician, and this just after the Big Picture album, which certainly did nothing of the sort. Anyway, let's go on to some music. Let's start with Elton on piano, back in 1975, playing a song from the Kevin Ayers album, Sweet Deceiver. This is called Circular Letter. And asking me to join gang They said they were select So many people they Tonal playing there from Elton, but some really unusual notes chosen to accompany a really unusual piece of music from Kevin Ayres. Just shows how versatile he was as a session player. 
Kevin Ayers wanted to work with Elton. Kevin Ayers was a founding member of Soft Machine and as such, in terms of degrees of separation, this is about as close as Elton got to working with Sid Barrett. Elton ended up on three songs on this album. It seems odd in retrospect that he's working with Kevin Ayers, but um, Kevin was on John Reed's roster at the time. And Reed, I think, had the idea of launching him as some sort of David Essex mainstream musician. Uh, seems like a pretty unusual idea. But then again, Kevin Ayers did make a break for the centre ground a few times over his career. But he is known as a, a left-field figure in music. In my opinion, is a very cool musician. Nick Kent, the British rock journalist, he wrote once of Kevin Ayers, he said, Kevin Ayers and Sid Barrett were the two most important people in British pop music. Everything that came after came from them. So I think this is a good connection for Elton. And although it's not widely known, it just shows that he's there in the story of alternative music in the country. Let's go back a year from there to 1974 to arguably the highest profile collaboration of Elton's career. We're going to have a listen to Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, but a stereo extraction of that so that we can hear what's going on underneath the surface a little bit. Bring up the backing vocals, just like we did in episode one of this podcast. Absolutely make out Lennon's vocals there, can't you? I mean, it was always pretty clear that they were there, but it's lovely to hear them turned right up in the mix. And of course, he's credited here as providing the reggae guitars of Dr. Winston O'Boogie. This song, and also One Day at a Time, they were both recorded with John Lennon at the Caribou Ranch in about July of 1974 during the Captain Fantastic sessions. It's interesting to know, you may know how it came to be. Uh, it all started in June in New York when Elton arrived off of the SS France where he'd been sharing the music room with the opera singer and so on. And also on that boat um, were Julian and Cynthia Lennon, according to Elton fairly recently, said that. And they went along to where Lennon was recording Walls and Bridges. Lennon in full Lost Weekend mode. This is what John had to say about the collaboration in 74. I won't do the accent. He said, 
I was fiddling around, I was fiddling about one night and Elton John walked in with Tony King of Apple. You know, we're all good friends. And the next minute Elton said, say, can I put a bit of piano on that? I said, sure, love it. He zapped in. I was amazed at his ability. I knew him, but I'd never seen him play. A fine musician, great piano player. I was really pleasantly surprised at the way he could get in on such a loose track and add to it and keep up with the rhythm changes obviously because it doesn't keep the same rhythm and then he sang with me we had a great time of course he's talking about uh, the US number one single whatever gets you through the night and Elton also played and sang although much more quietly on the song surprise surprise sweet bird of paradox which is Lennon's song which he dedicated to Mei Pang I would peg this whole moment as a cool career highlight for Elton. Playing in a band that's got Klaus Vormann in it and uh, John Lennon, probably Nilsson knocking around in the background. And then a few months later came the very, very famous Madison Square Garden gig in November of 74. That was when Lucy in the Sky, Elton's version of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds was released, which went to number one in the USA. All in all, this was a pretty mainstream successful collaboration for everyone involved but for Elton it gives him uh, some real credibility Elton himself is pretty proud of the fact that uh, John was reunited with Yoko um, although a lot of people would disagree that that was necessarily a good step in John's life it was also um, Lennon's last stage performance although he did play live on a TV show in 1975 let's move back a little bit further um, Elton is known as being a bit of a David Ackles fan he, um, he already liked David Ackles music which is saying something because not many people will have bought that album, the first album prior to him going over to play the Troubadour in 1970 where of course he uh, topped the bill over David Ackles. Talking Old Soldiers was dedicated to Ackles. Um, probably the only Elton John song, I might be wrong, but how many songs on albums are individually dedicated to someone? It's, it's not common. I'm not aware of any other songs. As a song, you can see why it would be dedicated. It's uh, about a lonely probably homeless guy first person narrative it's got that conversational confessional style that you get from David Ackles David Ackles best album in my opinion and in the opinion of critics was American Gothic and that was produced I put that in quotes by Bernie Taupin it is wonderful and extremely weird in places. Let's have a listen to one of the songs off the album. This is Midnight Carousel. She hears the beckoning call of night Neon fingers touching her with light and she runs to join the movers on the midnight carousel Calling faster to a barker she knows all too well Hey girl, you best slow down, lose your good name in town All the God's children home in bed and you're out looking for a man in red 
the wind of summer dark Rolling down the alleys of her heart As she turns to join the dancers He is waiting in the line Staring at her soul and claiming you are mine Hey girl, you best go away Leave the dark, leave today All of God's children home in bed And you're out running with a man in rage Yes, I know, I know it's true This album was a really big critical success but it didn't help get Ackles out of what was a pretty big hole in his career at the time. He was dropped by Elektra after this. I've seen it described, this album, as Neil Diamond starring in an obscure Brecht Vile opera, and that is quite amusing, but it hardly captures what this album is. To me, this is a, an attempt to define and to encapsulate what David Ackles saw as his America musically and culturally and it's in that sense it's similar to Van Dyke Parks's song cycle and it is artistically vital in terms of the role that Bernie actually had and I know I'm talking about Bernie here so this is one degree of separation in terms of his role it does seem to have been fairly minimal he came to this uh, through Electra, because uh, Bernie released his spoken word record through Electra. This is what Bernie said about his role. I think David could easily have done the job himself, but I think he wanted somebody to mirror his ideas, to sort of help him out to be a conscience for him and a confidant, somebody he could sort of lean on in the studio. I had never worked with a real orchestra before, I'd been in the studio with Elton, I was familiar with strings in the sense that I'd seen our sessions run that way, but I certainly wasn't very familiar with how to record them. Um, Elton himself paid his dues to David Ackles on a fellow superfan, Elvis Costello's TV show in 2008. So this is a double whammy. This is Elton with Elvis Costello playing a David Ackles song. Down river. Good to see you again, Rosie. I know I changed a lot since then, but you're looking fine, babe. Three years, that ain't long, Rosie. I still remember our song when you were mine, babe. I know, but it sure moves slow down river when you're locked away. Hey, well, I didn't you write, Rosie? I stayed awake most every night. Line, 
Costello there. While we're still somewhere near the topic of Van Dyke Park, so I mentioned briefly a moment ago, let's have a listen to part of the BBC documentary that came out a few years ago. Um, one of the voices you'll hear here is uh, Danny Hutton from Three Dog Night. They're talking about Elton's second visit to the USA. I, I just don't remember ever having time to sort of breathe, and it was just an extraordinary time. Elton became part of a scene that found him rubbing shoulders with many of his rock and roll heroes. You'd go to a party on the Sunset Strip and I'd, I'd go into the party and it's uh, Bob Dylan sitting on the piano. You know, all the English bands were coming into town. So it was, uh, there's just energy. My second trip, Bernie and I went with Danny Hutton to meet Brian Wilson. Uh, so you can imagine, I mean, um, we met Dylan at the Fillmore East. And he went, I really like that song, Ballad of a Well-Known Gun. And we was like, we couldn't hardly speak. I mean, you have to realize that these, I was meeting within a period of two months some of the greatest names in the world, and it was joyous. Ever the fan, Elton was in his element, and new friends also brought his first taste of the decadent rock star lifestyle. I'd become friends with Danny Hutton, who was in Three Dog Night, and I went up to his house in Laurel Canyon with his girlfriend, June and had dinner with him and Van Dyke Parks. This is the craziest party that could ever be. Like a little funky Laura Canyon house with a great vibe. And Elton played piano all night. I left at 7.30 in the morning. I thought, I've never stayed up till 7.30 in the morning. I was like, I, mean, I feel really good. And I drove back to the Sunset Hyatt house in my rented car. And years later, Danny said, well, we put cocaine in your food, that's why. <laughs> we all indulged, and uh, he was just part of indulging with us. <laughs> I might have forgot to tell him. <laughs> it was a freewheeling, wonderful time. You know? And I, I think it certainly didn't hurt him. <laughs> he went on to... Uh, to be quite successful. <laughs> Doesn't Danny Hunton make that sound fun? Except that's common assault, Danny, anyway. Dinner with Van Dyke Parks, playing the piano all night, meeting Brian Wilson in uh, 1970. Was it 71, maybe? An interesting time for sure. Uh, I wonder what they thought of Elton. They certainly remain uh, uh van dyke parks himself was interviewed for a different documentary so he uh, elton's still on their radar let's go a little bit more modern let's uh go to kate bush's 2011 album 50 words for snow this is elton's duet with kate called snowed in at wheeler street i still have your smiling face in a heart-shaped frame Snow down at Wheeler Street Just two old flames Keeping the fire going We look so good together 
to the top of the hill We saw Rome burning I don't want to lose you I don't want to lose you again link between Elton and Kate Bush. For a start, Elton said fairly recently, I think about four years ago, that Kate Bush's duet with Peter Gabriel, Don't Give Up, kept him going, literally kept him alive. Uh, That record came out in October of 1986, so it was a pretty heavy time for Elton at the time. And Kate Bush obviously contributed a brilliant Rocket Man to the Two Rooms release. She also did Candle in the Wind. And she was, in the liner notes, extremely complimentary of Elton, saying how um, honoured she was to be, I'm paraphrasing, but how honoured she was to be invited to contribute. She uh, went to Elton and David's wedding in 2014, so they're still really close. Kate is a strong artistic voice, although there have been some ups and downs in her career and she's got her detractors in the end. She is seen straightforwardly as an artist, a high-calibre musician. So having her invite Elton to sing with her on this song, on such an important album for her, it's a real endorsement of Elton. And the song itself is really great. Elton... Elton's voice sounds brilliant, better, many people might say, than on some of his own recent uh, records. And the content of the song, hearing him sing those Kate Bush cadence to the top of the hill, or those that phrasing is so typically Kate Bush, and yet hearing Elton doing it is great. I love the topic of the song. The idea, it sounds like two vampires singing to each other, long dead forever in love it's a really great idea for a song and it's a it's going to be there forever as a record of Elton at this stage in his career being in touch with a real artist let's go on to a a totally different thing something from 1970 let's have a listen to Day is Done When the day is done Sinks the sun Along with everything That was lost and won When the day Is done When the day is done Hope so much your race Will be all run Then you find You jump the gun Have to go back Where you begun When the day Is done when the night is cold Some get by but some get old Just to show life's not made of gold 
When the night is cold When the bird has flown Got no one to call your own Got no place to call your home Now the bird has flown yeah, This is Elton John's cover of Day Is Done, the Nick Drake song which he recorded essentially as a publisher's demo for Joe Boyd, the record producer of Nick Drake, back in 1970. This almost doesn't count. It was very much a jobbing job for Elton at the time, but in retrospect, in isolation, it's an extremely cool thing for him to have done. Hearing that youthful Elton John voice, that tumbleweed energy behind something as special as this Nick Drake song, the other Nick Drake songs, and the John Martin songs that they did. I'm going to do a whole other show about these sessions, but it definitely belongs here. It's Nick Drake. You can't argue with that. Although people do argue with it. Don't look at the YouTube comments for for this stuff. People just hate the fact that Elton John dared to touch this music, that he tried to put some energy into it he did his own thing with it people detest elton's contribution uh, to nick drake's career um i personally find it yeah it's a bit light i think elton sounds good here let's change the pace completely though let's go a little bit more modern with the original glam rocker give it up for scissor sisters and elton john <laughs> can't hear it really but that's Elton on piano with the Scissor Sisters live on the song that he wrote along with Jake Shears they're playing at Fashion Rocks back in 2006 the thing I love about this is hearing not so much here on this live recording but on the recorded version what is a really blatant Elton John melody it sounds like a lost song from Goodbye Ellerick Road with that choppy phrasing but being sung so high, far above where he could ever hope to reach now, um, it just has that vital Elton energy, and yet it, it transposed it through that electropunk. Is that the right word? That Scissor Sisters vibe. They were really big. This was a massive hit, and it must have been so 
rewarding for Elton at the time and people didn't really know that Elton co-wrote that song but it's got Elton all the way through it he's still writing with other musicians he's currently writing with I think he's finished the collaboration with Clean Bandit he's recently written a song with Lady Gaga and a guy called Parker Millsap who I think is someone on the up not someone I know personally but it's going to be good to hear these things come to fruition, especially if they're anywhere near as successful as this collaboration with Jake Shears. He's done some other collaborations in recent years, not written, not writing music, but uh, played with Queens of the Stone Age, Bright Light, Bright Light, and uh, Fallout Boy. Elton's still a massive music fan, and he's pretty up to date with uh, his listening. Let's have a listen to him reeling off the names of some fairly current, fairly indie artists in an interview with Zane Lowe from this year. I'm not a snob as music, as you know. You have a strong taste. You have a strong mechanism of what you like and don't like. Well, I can't get you over the line on certain artists, and I've tried. No, you can't, but that doesn't mean to say I don't like that type of music. Yeah, it's true. It's just certain artists. But No, I, I get them, but it just doesn't do it for me. Um, and that's the human choice. It's like, you know, some people are crazy about um, Sonic Youth. Some people are crazy about Barbara Streisand. And good. I'm glad they are. Because if you didn't have the, divi- the, divi- the diversity of music, mm. then if we all like the same thing, it would be hopeless. And, and the thing about people like Bjork, about PJ Harvey, about Conor Oberst, and all those people that are kind of not under the radar, because that would be unfair to them all, but they provide something like Father John Misty, for mm, example, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the current example. Um, they provide the necessary balance mm. to all the crap that's up there. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's a counterbalance you know of quality. They're, they're counterbalancing the crap with the quality and their own voice. Mm. And if you take away that, then you lose everything. Unfortunately, I don't have an Apple Music subscription, so I don't get to hear his radio shows, but there's 120-odd of them recent one has got um, an interview with Beck and he's clearly listening to a lot of new music he's always contacting artists and when he does that they've got some really positive things to say about his playing on their albums or even it's just his words of encouragement he to an artist is a bit of a grandfather figure grandfather father figure is that better um But he understands what they're going through in a way that um, I don't think many other musicians do that they will come across. Let's change gear again. Here's Elton playing live with Neil Young at uh, Neil Young's Bridge School Benefit, something Elton's done several times over the years, but this is from 1992. Yeah. 
Elton John's friendship with Neil Young was not something I was aware of earlier on in my life. It crept up on me a little bit. In fact, I came to Neil Young fairly late in life myself. And he's had a bit of a patchy career, but on the whole, he is seen as being someone with a with an authentic voice in the music that he does. Country, rock, folk, music. He is someone that respects Elton John and it is it does Elton a lot of credit this relationship I think it's one of the finest moments of Elton's career full stop but certainly within the last 10 years is gone to Shiloh from the Union I think to hear Elton's voice along with the roughness of Leon and the thin pure tone of Neil Young and yet so vulnerable that voice it's a really special moment elton sounds completely at home there with his voice this is similar to the johnny cash hurt moment i'm talking about but this was an original song and a really good one and it does him a lot of credit like i say let's have a listen to gone to shine exactly what Elton should sound like in the 2000s I think his voice these days is a bit unpredictable I've read contributors on forums with good cause say that Elton's lost it for good it's just not Elton anymore he's honking his way through Philadelphia freedom and then he takes some rest and he comes back with a performance like this. Just a 
of the evening was but uh, like a, a sort of two rooms a live two rooms singing streets of philadelphia and just sounding fantastic i know it doesn't really count it's not a collaboration but uh, um it's one of those moments where elton touched on a musician's work which probably has got a little bit more cachet in the world of the critic than his own music although Again, everyone's got their dodgy records and their dodgy moments. We're coming towards the end of this episode. I'm aware that I've not really talked in length about Leon Russell. There'll be another episode about that collaboration in the future. And obviously I believe that that was a good move for Elton and it was something that got him in touch with his own roots um, which you can't argue with. There's one more tune that we're going to listen to. Um, uh, we're going to play out with Wake Up Wendy from 1998, which is it's going to sandwich the whole show. Um, you can email me, uh, as I said, eltonpodcast at gmail.com if you've got any comments. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. hope you've enjoyed this episode. Loads more coming up in the near future. And in the meantime, let's have a listen to Elton's Wake Up Wendy. Got this bug-eyed girl my knee, frozen teeth, chitter chatter, she's dressed up like a cemetery, like a cemetery, snowbound all winter, blue lips on my cheek, little tongues rattling, rattling, talking about them old Oh, oh, oh. 
Yeah. 